jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out At the risk of sounding like Wario. Wow. <laughs> you know what happened the other night? There's so much weird shit happening around here. I'm, I'm sorry. Wa- thank you for yeah. <laughs> Wario, first of all. <laughs> My favorite cartoon doppelganger villain. <laughs> I do love Wario. Oh, my God. Um, I was awakened the other night, in the middle of the night. Well, <gasps> early morning hours. Was that was, was a, 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 a bump in the night, a stir? Well, I said, what is that noise? What is that noise? Turns out my stereo in the living room was on and the CD was playing. What? What was the CD? Was it playing Satanic Messages? What was it? No, it was uh, Onus Obel. Oh. <laughs> so it was like soothing piano music. And I'm like, <laughs> but still very disconcerting. And I was like, that's really weird. So I turned it off and I went back to bed. And some minutes later, my computer made the Apple turn on noise. Oh my God. Yeah, these things happened. And I said, not now, ghost. Like, what? not now, serial killer. <laughs> My dance card of worries is full, thank you. <laughs> the the Stacy Ponder commemorative <laughs> dance card of worries. <laughs> I'm like, not now. Like, get back to me in September and we'll see how things are. So I have no idea what happened. Also, well, one, that is terrifying. Two, yeah. ghosts... And 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 uh, and wall people especially are supposed to be good at social distancing. Don't they exactly. understand what's at stake right now? Right. I didn't have my mask on as I slept. I could have infected them. They could have infected me. Yeah, you could have. You could have said, "Listen up, ghost. This air isn't as circulating as it should be." It certainly is There's not. There's a three-hour half-life for this viral load. It. <laughs> my viral load is. It's getting stale in here. Oh. But and the computer is weird because uh, my computer wasn't turned off. It was on sleep. And so for it to make the startup noise, I say, what is going on here? But like how long, how long after um, the, the CD episode are we talking here? Some minutes I went back to sleep. I thought. This, that's the devil. That's the demon. Yeah. That's a conduit, right? That's a beacon right there. That's, you need to call Vera Formica. Yeah, I think uh, Annabelle has jacked into the system. <laughs> Annabelle? Oh my god, that's the next one! Annabelle goes eye horror. Annab- Annabelle? Annabelle goes, Annabelle goes cyber. Annabelle in cyberspace. She's not a conduit now, she's a code. 
<laughs> It'd be so good. <laughs> Could you imagine? Really and they they only use MS DOS, um, you know, computer. And so then they see uh, in the, like the all green dot text, they see Annabelle's face comes miss, <laughs> miss. slowly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Line ten, miss. Line twenty, me. <laughs> Line thirty, question mark. <laughs> They don't react until it's fully spelled out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. What if you? I hope you don't have a wall person. I. I mean, I don't know where they would be hiding, or what. I mean, I welcome a wall person at this point. Anybody out there who's going through this quarantine by themselves, as oh. I am, you have my sympathies. This is a crazy time, so I say wall person. <laughs> come let's, out let's fucking hang out like what are you doing i'm a wall person at this point <laughs> we the united states of wall people we are the united states of wall people <laughs> we're all wall people now yeah brahms was a trendsetter it's true it's tr- i do feel i do feel a little like a wall person like i'm trying to ration the food so it's like i'm only taking a little bit like a wall person would only take a little bit so you don't notice that it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brahms, I can't be seen by anybody. <laughs> Brahms paved the way, man. Ne- mm-hmm. you're, next you're going to be like, Stacy needs a new outfit every day or else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brahms well, went in the theater and then this all happened. That's true. Who wall knew people. that it was a prophecy? It was a prophecy. For for a horror movie argument's sake, I would say Bad Ronald paved the way. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) We are all Bad Ronald now, aren't we? Oh my god. What has has even happened to this world? Spying at people through holes and walls and windows. (laughs) Yeah, Grammy over here. (laughs) I've gone full Grammy, let me tell you. Constantly staring out windows. Yeah. We do. We look out our windows. That's our new favorite thing. Besides, um, sit on couch and stare at wall. We do sit on sit by window and stare out window, and yeah. we watch. Um, we watch the youth run down the street in groups <laughs> without masks, and we oh. judge them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's my exercise now is <laughs> lifting a slat of a Venetian blind. <laughs> repeatedly anytime yeah anytime i hear someone outside i'm like open and close and mm-hmm. open and close yeah so my one finger is in good shape <laughs> that's all you ladies oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no never mind i just i mean whatever we're still in quarantine it's still the plague fine whatever i'm tired of talking about it i'm tired of hearing about it it's, and if, you know what? The Queen of England said, it's never going away. <laughs> it's never going Get away. Get used to it. This is how we live now. And let's be real. Once it does go away, do you know how many uh, essays on medium.com we're going to have to suffer? Oh. People, how, what I learned in quarantine. How many bad solo shows? Finding love at a social distance. Oh God! We're gonna—it's gonna be a glut of young white women. Eat, who... pray, coughing their way through. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God! But 
That said, we are all too inundated with our screens, even more so than ever via social media as the only form of community that people have now. So maybe flip side, much more eye horror coming out of this. That could be. We said it's going to be a lot of pandemics, you know, in the last, in the listener question, Bonanza Lottery Roundup, but perhaps some eye horror as well. So little dot matrix printout Annabelle could maybe actually not be that far away. I mean, honestly, uh, I don't fear, not that I've feared any of these high eye horrors, but I, I don't feel, I don't know. I just feel like, all right, I'll turn the computer off. You know? <laughs> yeah, just unplug it. <laughs> I'm just going to unplug it. Like, I've been avoiding mostly all the social medias and stuff. It's nice to just be quiet. Yeah, I'm trying to stay as away as I can because it just doesn't seem to help. No. I think it's it, either it, it distracts a, a, more than helps. Yeah, it's either a death count or a selfie of someone in a mask. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen your selfie in the mask, Stacy. <laughs> I, I haven't seen Briefcase Woman do it yet. Do you still exist? <laughs> I don't exist anymore. <laughs> I don't. And that's fine. That's fine. It's fine. But, um, I, you know, I, uh, it's weird to be in a limbo. Although I will say I did watch a horror movie, finally, of my what? own volition. I'm not talking about something for the show or whatever. Like, mostly I've been watching documentaries lately. Yeah, Stacy's smart. Films. So Stacy watches documentaries or classic yeah. films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a me. Uh, <laughs> Mario. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So I, but I watched um, Horror Express, which I had seen before. I love that movie. Oh, I haven't um, seen it. It's so much fun. But um, I had only seen like uh, seen it on a dollar bin DVD, you know, like just poor quality, super dark, blah blah blah. But then I got the Arrow Blu-ray and watch a cha. Oh, yeah. Is so it? I love that movie. Is the Horror Express? Is it? Is, is it like a a train or is it like it's like an express delivery? Like it's convenient horror. Like is it? Which is it? Is it a tra- is it a train or a delivery or is it just fast? Yes. Is is it like the McDonald's Express that they've had briefly in my in my <laughs> strip mall in the nineties where it was like it was half a McDonald's, sort of like oh. the smaller city targets, like a Target oh, Express. See. Is I it like see. that, but of horror? Uh, no, it's a train. Oh, okay. The the original <laughs> Spanish title is Panic on the Trans-Siberian Express. Oh, it's too many words. Too many words, too convoluted. So we're like, Horror Express! <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. how the voice says it in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone but, says, I'm not going to see that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was a flop. I don't know why. But it is wonderful. I love that movie so much. Uh, Early 20th century. It's got Chris. I mean, that's when it takes place. Christopher Lee. Peter Cushing. On a train. With a monster. It's a little sci-fi. It's a little spy fiction. It's horror. It is so much fun. I highly recommend. Horror Express. I always forget about it. That but. sounds like a blast. Well, and you know, I, 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 well, I was talking with you before this that I'm inundated with streaming services because I got every trial for every streaming service with the new Apple TV that I have. 
And it has an Arrow video channel. So I can watch a lot of the Arrow. I don't know if Horror Express is on there. I'm going to have to look for it. I, it probably is. Oh. I highly recommend it. It's Wanna so check it much out. fun. That yeah. sounds like a blast. And a monster, you say? A monster. Oh. Mm-hmm. I love it. So I watched it and uh, loved it. That's great. I um I watched uh um uh Edge of the Axe, a little old slasher from the eighties from um the director of Vampires. Something. Yes, right? yes, 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 yes. And I have to say I loved it. <laughs> It's, um, it was, it was bonkers. It was absolutely bonkers. And also had some early iHorror. People talk to each other on computers in it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it does the little green text. It was great. I like that too. Yeah. I enjoyed it very much. I think I might venture next with my Arrow video releases. I might venture into the wind with Meg Foster. I just saw that that's coming out. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. So listen, two, three legends, Meg Foster, director of Dot Com for Murder, and Hans Zimmer. With a trio like that, you can't go wrong. I mean, no one ever asked for that combination. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the time I tried to, I made spaghetti, and then I realized I didn't have any spaghetti sauce. (laughs) But I had salsa, and so I used that, and it was terrible. (laughs) <laughs> what the fuck? I have quit this show many times, but I want you to know I'm submitting my final notice. You put fucking salsa on your spaghetti. Well, <laughs> it made sense in my head, obviously. It didn't work. It was awful, and then I just ruined my spaghetti and wasted my salsa. But I just thought, well, is it so different? Turns out, yes, it is. (laughs) You know, you know what? No, yeah, you, you're, you're willing to ask the Biden questions. That's right. And, and you're willing to get those answers, too, sometimes. I'm willing to look a fool on a podcast, obviously, by letting out these embarrassing secrets. Oh, well. Listen, we're all going to be eating pasta with salsa pretty soon, right? It's true. It's true. Learn to love it. I'm going to have to learn to love it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. So well, tell me how the, let me let me know how the wind is. Have you seen it? No, I haven't either. Um, so I, well, I guess you saying that implies that you haven't <laughs> yeah, seen yeah, it. That was... um, <laughs> you know what? I haven't been speaking <laughs> wow. to human beings, and um, yet I'm the dumb one. <laughs> <laughs> I say, how do we know she is alive? <laughs> How do we know she has seen the movie? <laughs> I fucking quit again. Um, I will let you know. I can't wait because I watched that trailer and I started singing Betty Davis eyes, but I subbed it out with Meg Foster eyes and I can't wait. It looks fantastic. Yeah. I thought the wind was going to be more like the wind is the killer, but it looks like just some man menacing Meg Foster. But it looks fucking fantastic. So I can't oh. wait. Can't wait. I'm right. Yeah. I might actually watch a horror film. Yeah. 
I might start working them back into my life. I might, eh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You got to just take this day by day, if not hour by hour. Yeah, well, and by hour by hour, that really feels like month by month, does it not? Word. It, it's, it's <laughs> time is slow. But you know, it's getting sunnier. I'm feeling, uh, I'm, I've been organizing. I'm feeling a little bit more while there's catastrophe and furloughing and who knows when income will ever return. I'm feeling slightly more content with this newfound thing. I have more, less awful days than I was in the first couple of weeks. So it's that. Yeah. Meanwhile, I have ghosts using my electric. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, we got like two inches of snow the other day, and there was a man on fire outside of the Seven <laughs> Eleven. But whatever, everything's totally fine in Portland, Maine. Thank Literally you for asking. A man on fire, just yeah, t- nigh twenty feet away from Stacy's apartment house. Yeah, just uh, on fire. Crone hut. My crone hut. <laughs> and he said, "Hey." Get out of here with this fire. This crone hut is made out of combustible <laughs> just, clay. <laughs> it's just straw and dung. <laughs> Thank God you outsourced those dung beetles to, I... <laughs> to build it. And they had those little hats and overalls. I was thinking ahead. Yeah, that's smart. I'm one of those homesteading lesbians, you know? <laughs> I got Birkenstocks and some dung beetles, and dung I'm good beetle. to go. Just making everything out of cob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Planting your corn balls everywhere. <laughs> Sounds kind of hot. It, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway. You and your wall person and your hey, corn balls. <laughs> Why don't you plant your corn balls over here? <laughs> I could put on some soothing piano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, this well. is our lives now. <clears throat> This is our lives, so I guess it's uh, appropriate that we're talking about repulsion today. <laughs> is it appropriate, Stacy? I feel offended and triggered. I feel many people will have issues with us talking about repulsion today. <laughs> oh boy! I'm going there. I'm. Oh wow! Okay. Hitting the hot topics. Okay. I have a gift card to Hot Topic. I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to spend it on. There's so many Funko Pops. I hate them all. um well you know it's co-written and uh directed by roman polanski Mm -hmm. who as we all know is a fugitive child rapist yep (laughs) there you go yeah i mean that's like uh, that's like uh, as i was watching this film i saw this like 10 years ago and i actually barely remembered it um but i was like wow this is really a very, very contemporary documentary about living under quarantine in a country with two rapists running for president. Yeah. My God. This is, uh, things are bad out there. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And that's not just referring to the man on fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, sorry, not to go, not to go super grim right off the get go, but you know, this and this movie, I, I think, I think, well, especially with the Polanski issue, because obviously, I mean, this is the Polanski problem, right? I mean, you're either going to talk about the film completely on its own or in the context of other films of its type, in which case I can see not talking about him or like you're going to just talk about it because there it is. And you can't pretend that 
Mm-hmm. And this film, because of the themes, because of what happens, because of what it's about, and then also conflated by who made it, there's mixed messages all over the place. But in a really... I don't know that fascinating is the right way to say it, mm-hmm. but in a really confounding sort of way. Right. And we'll get into that, I'm sure. Right. Um, wow. I mean, I think uh, there's the whole, like, separating the art from the artist, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's, I mean, we talked about this. I know we talked about it on our episode with Alex West, the Pet Cemetery episode. Um and I'm sure we've talked about it at other times as well. And it's like, I just think everybody needs to figure out how to address these things for themselves as viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, the Roman Polanski movies of the 60s, I still watch. Um, I don't give him any money. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like... Yeah. Um, I've bought all of them used Repulsion and well, just re- I never bought the Tenant, but Repulsion and Rosemary's Baby, I bought used copies. Um, and I look at them as feminist films. Yep. And you know, it doesn't mean that I give him a pass or anything like that. It's just those two films I'm able to sort of think about them in the context of him and what he would do later. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the confusion that I have, and I think the confounding that I'm speaking to is like, repulsion is a is a it's an anti rape film, right? Um, and I mean not to reduce it just to that, but I mean at its core, that seems to be like the motivating uh, theme. But then you look at who made it, and then and and yeah, I think I think not giving him money. You know, I have a I have a burnt copy of Blue Jasmine that I've never watched, <laughs> but um, uh, not giving him money is useful. Uh, but then we also have to yeah confront that like well, this is the director of Rosemary's Baby, like the right. one of the greatest horror films ever made. Mm-hmm. A super amazing, impactful feminist piece from a feminist writer from Ira Levin, and it's uh, what do you do with that? What do we do with that in horror? And then I, and but then I also have questions like, well, I love Chinatown. Like I, I tell myself, well, there's Polanski. Right. There's Polanski before, uh, what was it? May, June, August, nineteen sixty nine. There's because we all know what happened then. There's Polanski before that. The way that I've always dealt with it in my head is and this isn't to make apologies for him but like he lost the love of his life in a horrible way and then something went wrong but um so i've always kind of thought yeah there's the 60s films and then there's everything else but like but then i also love chinatown and i'm like what do i do with that right what do i do with that amazing fucking faye dunaway performance and actually maybe jack nicholson in his least gross and most charming i don't know I don't know. I think it's, I mean, his early life also, you know, he has had a horrible life, which mm-hmm. doesn't excuse any of it. And lots of people have horrible lives and don't drug and rape children. Yep. And I think I think that's important preferences. None of this is to be making excuses for, but it's like to really explore what do you do with this? Right. <laughs> Especially when some of... Like, Repulsion, I mean, this, the Apartment Trilogy is a, a really formative series of films in horror. Right. 
And and can you can, is separating the art from the artist a thing or not? Yeah. And not like, a, not everyone can do that either. Right, and that's totally valid. If someone is saying I'm never watching any of his films ever again, Rosemary's Baby or any of them, like that's totally valid and cool and yeah. whatever works for you. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not I haven't seen the last movie I I don't even remember what the last what the date of the last movie like, what's his most recent film that I've seen? I don't even know. I saw the trailer for The Ninth Gate. <laughs> right. Like, Chinatown might be the most I recent think, thing. I think Chinatown's the most recent of his I've seen. Yeah. That one with Adrian Brody. Why? Why? Did anyone ever see that? Why would anybody want to see that? That won all no. those Oscars. Who wanted to see that? What the fuck? <laughs> so, I don't, so, it's there. You know? It's, he's the elephant in the room. Yeah, absolutely. He's the elephant in a room with a dead rabbit and cracking walls. Yeah, and... he's he, he's the rotting elephant carcass in the room. But that's also what what makes this movie so weird. It's just weird, da- uh, dizzying to watch now is seeing the themes that play out, seeing how critical it is of everything that he turned out to be. Right. Well, that's the thing. Is I think watching it. With his history, his future history, I guess, in mind, you wonder, is he on her side or not? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the big question. Yeah. I know what I, I know what I get from the movie. I don't know how much of it is. I don't know if he's on her side or not. Yeah. And then there's there. I have questions about how she is depicted. I mean, visually in costume. Um, and yet what he's also saying with the script. Right. Right. And with what happens, mm-hmm. um, I, there's definitely like, you know, there's like the sort of perhaps we ha- both have like a high tension kind of read or like, a, right. like this conversation came up with the brood where I had a lot of trouble um, changing, ad- adjusting my uh, instinctual, like f- just immediate read of the film to kind of look at it through a feminist lens that I don't feel necessarily came with Cronenberg's intentions. Right. And it's similar here where it's like, well, what? But then there are things too that I also love happening in it. So mm-hmm. it's tr- motherfucking tricky. <laughs> it's tricky. What does happen in the movie, Anthony? What does? So I'm going to do my best because this movie is I mean, if you haven't seen Repulsion, you can watch it on the Criterion channel if you have a thousand streaming services like I now do. Um, but th- this movie is surreal. It's it, it goes in and out of dreams and nightmares and uh, wacky things happen. So I'm going to do my best to do like, uh, you're so good, Stacy, at saying exactly what happens at exactly what point. And I just know a lot of insanity happens in this movie, and I'm gonna try. <laughs> I'm gonna try to track it, but yeah, it's... Uh, Repulsion, 1965, also known as Night of the Living Deneuve. Um, this movie <laughs> stars Catherine Deneuve uh, as Carol. Carol is um, one a hair icon. Is her hair not amazing in this film? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, Carol is a hair icon. She lives in it's. I guess it's London. Mm-hmm. Um, she lives in London with her sister Helen. They're from uh, they're from Belgium, and uh, Carol works at a spa 
where she deals with um, awful rich older women who um, just constantly yell at her. And maybe rightfully so, because Carol is always in this sort of state of ennui, or she's sort of separated from reality. She's very detached. She's always staring off into space. The movie basically opens with this woman just saying, wake up, wake up, you know, because she's supposed to be facilitating spa services. Um, she lives with her sister, Helen. Helen is dating this awful, awful man because all the men in this movie are absolute atrocity fuckboys to, to the <laughs> yeah. upteenth level. Um, she's dating this horrible married man named Mike, uh, who is, who just says every, he's just, he's, he's like your asshole brother-in-law that just says the most disgusting, repellent things and is a total oaf. That's who this Mike character is. Um, and, and Carol finds herself constantly going in and out of this daily routine of working at the spa, coming home, listening to her sister Helen have sex with Mike. And then also uh, she's being kind of sort of wooed or courted by this complete also fuckboy named Colin, who seems 100% unaware of her state and and her sense of disinterest in him and he's giving her rides trying to take her to dinner trying to do all these uh, what he thinks are nice things but it's always completely self-serving and he just is an absolute failure at reading her um helen goes off to like like well one helen is helen is leaving town she's gonna go on a trip with mike and um she's gonna go to italy and she's gonna see it with him but she needs to make sure that Carol remembers to pay the rent. So that's one of the first setups is pay the rent, Carol, which Carol <laughs> does not do until way later in the movie. Um, which also watching this, I was like, is this, is Smiley Face just like the stoner version of Repulsion? <laughs> it's very similar tracks. Um, so, so Helen goes away. Carol finds herself uh, beginning to slip even further out of reality as Helen leaves. Um, Helen has left this rabbit, this disgusting rabbit corpse. If you've never seen a rabbit just sitting on a plate, just ready to be cooked, this, this thing is revolting. Uh, Carol goes and she leaves this rabbit out. Uh, she goes to, to maybe eat it or something, but she starts getting distracted by things. She gets distracted by the razor blade sitting next to her toothbrush or suddenly the walls will start cracking in the apartment later at night she'll um she's she's barricaded her door because uh earlier in the day when she's alone in this apartment she is looking at herself in the mirror and sh as she swings the mirror shut and this is one of the earliest that i can think of mirror uh jump scare reveals in a horror movie as the mirror shuts, she sees this uh, dark figure of a man looking at her. And it's terrifying. She turns around and there's nobody in the house. So she, that night she barricades herself in her room. And then she wakes up and she hears footsteps. And there's footsteps in the house and she sees the light go on from under the door. And just beyond her barricade of everything, um, she hears the sounds. Uh, the door opens and a man walks in. And without any sound except for this awful ticking of a clock, there's constant clock ticking in this film. Um, we get a, what essentially is one of the first rape scenes in the film. And, uh, and it, it, there's no sound other than this ticking. Carol uh, f is just sort of screaming into the bed and then it fades out. She's answering a telephone, she's laying on a floor 
you don't know if she, if she has dreamt this. This is probably a nightmare. Um, things go on and continue to get worse and worse. She goes to the spa and she continues to exist in this total dreamlike state. Um, she ultimately is later on, she's giving a spa service um, to a woman. She's manicuring her and she's cutting her cuticles. And then she ends up taking a big nick out of, out of this woman's finger and there's blood everywhere. And Carol just completely detaches. She's sent home. Um, and, things just spiral more and more and more out of control in the house walls continue to crack the man shows up a couple more times and she's raped once again um colin comes to see her and colin uh is screaming at her because he can hear her in there and he's screaming let me in or i'm gonna break down this door he breaks down the door um comes in and then he suddenly is is uh realizing how oafish it was for him to bust down her door but he also <laughs> isn't willing to confront it so as she's just staring at the wall completely detached not even looking at him he's saying is it something i've done after he's broken down the door because this guy is completely fucking clueless i'm not usually like this i thought that was such a telling line you yeah know? That whole yeah. excuse, oh, for, forgive my violence, forgive my, you know, being where I'm not wanted. I'm not usually, this isn't who I am. Yeah, I just wanted to see you. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, this guy, so this guy's just taking whatever he can get. Um, after after this, this sort of chain of events where Carol has been confronted with um, the, these nightmares about this rapist and, and the... Um, the the constant uh just how her disgust of listening to her sister have sex with mike or or finding his uh tank top on the bathroom floor and smelling it and and having to vomit because she smells his his man scent um she has just had it and so she picks up a candlestick and she beats colin to death uh she takes colin she puts him in the bathtub the door has is will not even close anymore because of what he's done because of his his act of violation so she goes to the door she takes a board and she boards up and creates a little barricade there on her front door um later the landlord comes because she has forgotten to pay the rent the landlord comes in he's screaming he is a complete asshole he's yelling at her um until he notices uh her nighty her see-through nighty that she's wearing throughout most of the film when she is in her apartment he remarks on how you know oh are you always dressed like this and how kind of inappropriate it is but it's like she's alone in her apartment before you bash through her boarded up door (laughs) she pays him the rent and suddenly after getting the rent and seeing her like that he becomes very friendly um to the point that obviously it's friendly in the not friendly way and he attempts to rape her uh she grabs a razor blade and she very satisfyingly slices him up until he is dead um at this point and and many other things have happened uh, including you know vaudeville street buskers with spoons and i love them i love them they're so weird (laughs) when they show up the second time that's when you know things are getting dark um and (laughs) and by the end of it uh helen and mike return the house is a complete ramshackle disaster um they they find colin's body first in the bathtub and um then they find they're just helen finds herself left there staring at at 
Carol's arm and her hand that's just sticking out from under the bed, and you don't know if she's alive or dead. Mike, meanwhile, is going through the whole apartment building trying to find a phone, as meanwhile, in a Sentinel-esque turn of events, for some reason, (laughs) a a flood of old people are just swarming (laughs) their way into this house, just like Night of the Living Dead, just stumbling in 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 their night robes and night dresses, uh, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, so it's become a, a, a Street of Dreams tour from hell at this point with all these neighbors in, that, in this open house of death. And uh, they come back in, they flip over the bed. Carol is lying under the bed. She's ultimately basically catatonic at this point. Um, she's picked up. She is carried out. As she is carried out, the camera pans from Carol into the darkness, through the, dis- the, the detritus of the house, and up to a photograph that we saw earlier. Um, a, fo- a family photo where you see little, little young Helen, you see the family, and you see Carol, and she is staring. Before it looked like, you see this photo earlier in the film, and before it, when you just see it not in close-up, it looks like she's just staring off into space like she is throughout most of the movie. But you see in this close-up, as as the film begins to end, you see uh, this look of almost just complete rage or hate or disgust, but also removal, that same kind of detachment at the same time. And you realize that she is staring at uh, an older man in the photo who must be a father sort of figure. Mm-hmm. And we... F- zoom into her eye just like the wacky eye that we opened on with the credit sequence and the film fades out and it says the end yeah and many other things happen in the along the way <laughs> <laughs> many walls yeah. crack many phones ring uh a lot of a lot of wild wild shenanigans and hijinks are afoot yeah yeah uh yeah i mean it's you know a lot of the popular opinion is oh it's this portrait of a lady on mental illness is it Um, well this is you know this is the popular interpretation is like she's you know she's a virgin she is repulsed by sexuality all of this and when she's alone she falls deeper and deeper into her mental illness and sort of indulges her the things that she's repulsed by but that she also desires um and we just get an increasing sort of vision of her sickness oh oh i get it it's like how everyone recommended that i watch valerie in her week of wonders so then i watched it and it was like everyone was like yeah it's like this dreamy surreal portrait of sexual awakening and queerness and then i watched it and it was just a 14 year old forced to do nude scenes and rape sequences over and over Right. Kind of like that. <laughs> kind of like that. I mean, I think that that's it's a valid interpretation, and you wonder if that's what Polanski is saying, you know, or is it a woman who? I mean, there's clearly some kind of mental illness. The thing is, is that it just drops us in this film. Yeah, yeah, and we don't know anything about her. She's a blank slate, Carol. But Carol is also a blank slate to everyone in the film. And it's kind of, it's about our expectations of a woman like that. A woman who fucking has that hair and looks like Catherine Deneuve. Yeah, yeah, a fucking icon of the 60s and 70s and 80s. Yeah, just, you know, 
what is everybody's expectations of a woman like that? Yeah, who works in the spa, who goes to the big city, who who has uh, those gorgeous eyelashes, who has that like French slash Belgian accent. Right. Yeah. So, but we never get to know her at all as audience members. And the people in the film, particularly the men, particularly Colin, never get to know her. They just sort of put on her whatever they want. I mean, she's a manicurist who can't stop chewing her own nails. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's just constantly gnawing on her fingernails. Um, and it's just, she's, she's, to me, she's not rejecting or afraid of healthy sexuality. No. That's the thing. No one in this film treats her with any kind of, like, respect or, like, none of the men... You know, like Colin just basically, she doesn't talk. She stares off into space. She's clearly not interested. And yet he'll still try to kiss her. And when she shies away, he's like, boy, you're making me feel real bad here. It's like, read the fucking room, dude. That's, oh my God. And that's, yes, this goes, uh, that's a really key sequence that I completely left out of my um, uh, synopsis is that, that, uh, that sequence where, that he picks her up in the car, he kisses her, like forces himself on her, kisses her. She runs out of the car, like she o- swings open the door, almost gets hit by another car as it, um, as she swings that door open. Runs down the street, runs into the house, brushes her teeth, and then throws away the toothbrush. Yeah. Like this, I don't. I'm with you. I don't think this is real. I mean, I would say yeah, mental illness might play into this, but I think it's less that and more. It's about a woman with a history of trauma, um, right? And what this movie really says to me, what I get out of it is that one, Carol is a misandrist icon. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but she is. Uh, she is a woman that is like in. This is almost sort of like a ghost story in a way. A woman alone in her apartment with cracking walls and horrible specters and things. But it's a woman that's haunted by men. Like she's mm-hmm. haunted by sexism. Haunted by the ghost of like some kind of rape trauma, maybe from that father we see in the photograph at the end. Um, and 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 every man in the movie is such a piece of shit and it's not to say that carol isn't capable of happiness or capable of being a real person because uh i mean like her helen like she gets along the her relationships with the women in the movie and this is what i think is thoughtful of plansky is the the women in the film are depicted to the complete inverse of how the men in the film are depicted Mm-hmm. The men are total oafs. They're bullheaded. They're fuckboys. They're super rude. They say whatever is on their mind. They just take and take and take. The women in this film, Helen really loves her and cares about her and looks out for her as her sister. Uh, mm-hmm. She, Helen gets annoyed, like, I wish you wouldn't throw Mike's things out in the street, which is funny. <laughs> but, like, yeah. but also... When when Mike is talking shit about um, Carol in the elevator to Helen, Helen's like, what did you say? Mm-hmm. Like, and she stands up for her sister. Um, right. Helen, uh, Carol has a good relationship with a boss that actually cares about her. This boss could be written off as like the hard ass old bitty. 
but she's yeah carol doesn't come into work for three days and she doesn't immediately get fired like the boss wants to know what's wrong yeah i'm running a business not a rest home (laughs) yeah but she doesn't take it out on her instead she says well i might as well go see what that old bitch wants (laughs) right yeah she's like uh she's a working class uh spa madam so like right but she cares about her employees she just sends she doesn't fire her she just sends her home yeah um after she cuts and and uh is it bridget i can't remember her name um oh yeah that she does yeah her co-worker that she does services with her co-worker there is it's a really crucial i also left this out but her co-worker uh there's an early scene where she they go into the um their like little locker room after work and her and she's crying and crying and crying and having a really rough time because of an issue with her boyfriend with this dude she's seen um and carol's trying to calm her and 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 be there for her um later uh everything is fine with this coworker later on but uh after the dismissal after she gets sent home for for cutting that woman's finger um her coworker is really trying is sitting there in the locker room with carol and she's really trying to cheer her up and she tells her like oh you need to go out to a dinner or, or go to a movie and and carol this is the first time we see carol brighten up and start smiling like she starts mm-hmm. laughing and it feels so good and and, yeah. and it's it's i mean it's bechdel test which the bechdel test is nothing it's so basic but like it's it's that joy of the bechdel test where you see just two women existing together and it makes you right. smile. Um, and the two of them having this moment where uh, her friend starts acting out the Charlie Chaplin movie she saw for her and making her laugh so hard um, until the coworker says, Roger laughed so much at this. And mm-hmm. the second that she mentions this fuckboy partner that was making her cry so bad the last time that she talked about him. Uh, Carol immediately her face the laughter every all the joy she was experiencing with her friend immediately drops Mm -hmm. at the mention of this man that was being such a piece of shit to her before yeah whatever if it's trauma or just she doesn't conform to our idea of what you know a young woman should be the feminine you know especially a woman who looks like she looks she should be existing for men she should be existing for men and she doesn't and no one knows how to handle that and the movie is just shocking that's why i I think he polanski had to know what he was doing because it's how how feminist this movie is it's in the text it's from one of the earliest shots you know the film begins with carol at the spa and then she goes out to lunch and there's a shot of her the camera's behind her and she's about to walk down this little section of sidewalk and sitting on like a berm to the side, there's a row of like six or seven men. None of them have said anything at this point, but she has to walk by them. And I like I just got so tense over that. And I would wager that every woman listening to this, every woman who is alive knows what that feeling is of Mm. like getting to that block and knowing i have to walk by these men Mm. are what are they gonna say what you know i mean it's happened to every single one of us (laughs) like that to me i would have i would cross the street because it's like not that they're gonna just jump up and attack me or anything but like i don't you they're gonna yell at you they're gonna say something 
they're going to tell you to smile. They're going to comment on the way you look. Like, that's just life as a woman. Yep. You know, and it doesn't matter. I've been walking here in Portland. I was standing on a corner. I had my earbuds in. And I could, there was a man next to me waiting. And I could tell that he was trying to get my attention. And I just ignored him. I just, like, stared straight ahead. And finally, he waved his hand in front of my face. Like, an inch in front of my face. And I was like, what the fuck? And so I took one of my earbuds out and I looked at him and he was like, hey, how you doing? What? Like, that was it. That, yeah. What? Like, that's that's existing as a woman. And that's awful. And um, that's the kind of thing that Catherine Deneuve nowadays says, like, well, but that's fine. That like, is what is meant- normal. <laughs> yeah, that is, you know, like, that, you know, like, rape is, like, I mean, she signed that letter with a hundred other French women who are like, me too has gone too far. And it's like, uh, you know, men should have the freedom to do this. This is what they're concerned about. Yeah, and it's like Catherine, how have you been conditioned? Carol wouldn't agree with you. Carol would get Carol would get her razor blade and her candlestick <laughs> and her rabbit corpse and exactly. But then it's like okay, maybe a person who's interpreting this only as like Carol is a frigid virgin who's afraid of sex, yeah, would think that you know. But it, I just you can't have that, especially that sequence with. Uh, with the coworker and the laughter, and then that face dropping at the mention of Roger, and you, it, it is so built. Of men, it is so built into the text. You just, yes. and I, I don't. This, that's the thing where I'm like, holy shit, Polanski is so outspoken in this film about this. Mm-hmm. It feels like, right at it the same like. time. We do get the, which, I mean, it's a different era. I don't know. But we do get those rape sequences. We do get um, her uh, being photographed in, in this nighty, which part of me was like, well, you know, if if I didn't have two other people I lived with in this house and I'm in quarantine, I would just be naked all the time, probably. But like, you mm-hmm. don't have, like, it, it, some of those shots felt exploitive. Where right. we would see, like, you would see nipples coming through the the sheer nighty and things like that. Yeah. So there, and I don't know if that is just the era, if that is Polanski, if that, so there are complications to his intentions and what you would, I, I think, as a viewer experiencing it. Well, I think that that's the kind of thing that, you know, uh, Deneuve and co are trying to preserve is they think that it's just a libertine sort of attitude towards life. And of course, what is wrong with a healthy sexuality? And it's like, well, there's also exploitation. Yeah. (laughs) You have a glass of wine, you go up someone. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's two ways of looking at the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. But I mean, to me, it's just she's a misandrist for whatever reason. And I'm here for it. Misandrist icon lady killer. Yeah. She kills two dudes in this movie. She kills two dudes in this movie. And it is so deserved. Because she's crazy. But it's like, is it? And it would be interesting to see how this was received. Um, I mean, I mean, you can look that up, but like to actually be in the theater or to see how people were receiving it coming out of the theater back then versus now where it's like, 
Like, like, like, like thinking about like sleepaway camp, like people came out of that in the eighties being like, Oh, she had a dick. How gross. Oh, what a fucking, you know, versus mm-hmm. now it's like, yes, Gaga, <laughs> like, yes, queen. We love you. <laughs> um, so like back then were people scared by her killing these dudes? For, right. Cause I for think me, that's... the terror is him breaking down that door or the landlord screaming at her. Right. That's the thing. Whose side is Polanski on? Whose side is the audience on? I think it's a little bit of both. I think we're definitely, I think the intention is like, oh, she's mentally ill. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows what could happen when you put a person like that into a claustrophobic situation mm-hmm. left to their own devices. But there are so many at the risk of sounding like Tumblr. <laughs> like you know which you often like, do which i often do but i mean there are so many even just the microaggressions like the reason why she throws michael's stuff away is because he keeps putting his razor and his toothbrush in carol's water glass he yes. just does that he's married to someone else but he comes over and has sex with carol's sister and stays the night once in a while and he just takes up space whatever space he yeah. wants he leaves his clothes just right out on the floor he just leaves his clothes on the floor. He puts his stuff in Carol's water glass. He just does whatever he pleases because he's a man and therefore he's entitled to own that space. Yeah. He doesn't even consider it. It's like, it's like, uh, oh my God, it's getting sunny out, right? So we were sitting out, well, except where you are, where it's snowing and people are on fire. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the two go hand in hand. Um, there's no Christmas this year. But we were sitting out on our patio and it was like in our in our backyard. And it was the three of us, us three faggots, and we're we're all uh, talking. And then and then Maddie's like, "Oh my god, what is even happening in that other yard?" Because it was it was just our neighbors talking, but they were speaking so loud. And I was like, "Yeah, isn't it interesting how to us, you know, this is like violently loud." And isn't it funny how we are all conditioned to speak softly in the backyard to not disturb the other neighbors? Right. But our heterosexual neighbors, meanwhile, are just occupying as much space as they can. Mm-hmm. And it's similar with that that mindset of that dominant culture mindset of like never having been second class, never having to censor yourself or be lesser. Just drop mm-hmm. your shit wherever you put it. Put your toothbrush in then the woman's water glass because you don't even consider that that's her water glass. Right. And if she rejects it. She must be crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's What's a crazy bitch. What's wrong with her? What's she afraid of? She's <laughs> a crazy bitch. What is she afraid of? Yeah. 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 That's I... the thing. She's she's not rejecting a normal courtship or a normal relationship or any of this. You know, she might, but we don't see it. We just see her rejecting, like, rape culture. Yeah, we also, we haven't seen a single dude in the movie that's nice to her. Right, exactly. Like, even... And and it's not like, oh, she turns on the idea of her coworker's boyfriend. Like, she goes dark in that moment because she mentioned a man. It's because that man was the cause of all of her tears in their previous conversation. Right. So it's like that, that, there, it just, that seems so intentional to me. Um, yet, but you're right. I mean, there is, there's the hallucinations, there's the constant cracking on the walls, there's the rabbit that just rots as it sits out throughout the entire movie, which becomes... Yeah, I don't... Hmm. 
Oh, I was going to say, I don't think mentally healthy people would leave rotting meat on the counter. No. And like the, you know, there's all sorts of, like, liquids everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, the potatoes on the, on the windowsill are overgrowing. You know, there's garbage. There's just a mess The everywhere. flood like, in the, the bathroom. and The flood in the bathroom where she just, like, leaves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Not like, to I mention don't, those the, aren't... the dream sequences and the walking into hallways with hands grabbing at you. But even that is, right. like, she's haunted by these ideas of being in tight spaces with hands grabbing at her. Mm-hmm. So it's like, while, yes, this could be a depiction of, look, she's losing her mind, she's gone batty, it's like, it also could be read as a visual, like, a poetic way of, of, of addressing these, uh, the, the terror that is inflicted on her by rape culture. Right. Um, but, yeah. I mean, obviously, but by the end of it, she's gone, she's lost, she's gone catatonic. Right. Yeah. So, there, yeah, there is still that question of, hmm. Yeah, I think it's a a little of column A and column B. I know like yeah. where it's all coming from for me, but I think the intention is like she gets you know once she's sealed away in the apartment by herself, she goes crazy. But I mean, yeah, we're all doing that now. So yeah, yeah, not at all relevant <laughs> to today's uh, not at all relevant zeitgeist. Yeah, but she's just I mean from the very beginning she's just she's you know. I like a character who's kind of just out of step with the world around them. And mm-hmm. that's her. Like the people who I find it very compelling in my cinema or my literature are the characters who just don't fit in. They don't fit into what's expected of them. They just don't fit into life around them. Yeah. Huh. What do you, what do you think that is that makes you drawn to that? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, en- I'm enjoying my salsa getty. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I like I like it. They feel like underdogs to me, and I like to root for the underdogs. Yeah, I well, and I think that's something. I think that's something that uh, seems to correlate to us, uh, big old fags, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like when you've been through it. It, you kind of right. don't want to, you, you kind of have trouble relating to the character that's just normative. I have it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it's, there's a, a path in life that you're supposed to take and you realize that it doesn't work for you and then it becomes, well, what's, what's wrong with me? Yeah. And hopefully you get to a place in life where you flip it around and you're like, nah, the rest of you are all fucked up. It's mm-hmm. about me. And then, and then it's only natural to be you know, maybe you're walking around in London with great hair and there's that jazzy music playing, <laughs> but you cannot, you cannot dance, you cannot walk uh, in tandem with that jazzy music as just the rest of them are because you're aware of how fucked up everything else is. Right. Man, Carol really is a messenger's icon, though. I gotta yeah. say it. I gotta say maybe it. she's gay. Who knows? Maybe she's gay. Maybe she's gay and she wants to hook up with her, her, her co-worker that makes her so happy and makes her... that Just that scene made it all... it All the trauma and all the trials that she goes through in this movie, that scene of watching her really genuinely smile and laugh for the only time in that movie with her friend is yeah. really a nice scene. Mm-hmm. And I, if Polanski was less thoughtful in that moment as a filmmaker, I don't think that would be there. Um, not to say that makes up yeah. for anything he's ever done. 
Yeah. Gigantic <laughs> problem. Love this movie. Love Rosemary's Baby. Uh, I have not seen The Tenant. Um, uh, yeah. What do we What do we do with that? Hmm. Love Catherine Deneuve, and she turned out to be a giant piece of shit too. She's a piece of shit too, you know. You know, I'm I'm like, wow, I I, who knew that David Bowie, who also, uh, you know, had a (laughs) child rape experience, um, yeah, who knew that he was going to be the least offensive part of the hunger down the line (laughs) (laughs) between Susan Sarandon and Catherine Deneuve. All three of them, all three of them are pieces of shit. Yeah, you know. But no one's giving David Bowie that. Maybe because he wasn't, like, convicted and he's not a fugitive from the law. Well, and then people didn't focus on that until after he died, really. Right. Which is strange because yeah. that happened in the 70s. Right. Stacy. Wow! <laughs> I mean, Wario! <laughs> Do we have a listener question today? Indeed! Uh, we have a question, two questions, from Merle, our pal Merle. Shout out to Merle. You can find, um, all of Merle's goods on at Pinsploitation. Merle actually is an incredible artist, uh, a a wonderful queen, excellent taste in horror films, and is one of our workers on the front line right now, working in a store dealing with really, uh, horrible people that don't know how to socially distance. So, Merle, our heart goes out to you. Everyone, check out Pinsploitation if you don't already buy all the pins religiously, um... I'm really excited for the new Shea St. John pin that is coming out uh, in tribute to one of my all-time favorite queer performance artists. So, Well, okay. Check out Merle, everyone. She's a queen. Fine. <laughs> now check out these questions that Merle <laughs> sent us, huh? Merle asks, are there any horror films that you enjoy particularly based on the setting or location? Does a familiar or foreign environment help to create more fear? I say to both of them, yes. <laughs> That's the Your answer. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say yes and sometimes. Thanks, Marl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there films I enjoy particularly based on the setting? I tried to think of films where... Never mind. What? <laughs> I was just going to reiterate the question. You tr- oh, you try to think of films where they were really <laughs> driven by the setting? Shut up. I've been alone in my house for three weeks. Are you sure you're not the one on fire in the snow I right could now? Be, I could be on fire. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> anyway. My answer's... Horror Express. <laughs> I just talked about it. I love a movie on a train. I have to watch train. How do you? Oh, you do. Do you like the Terror Train? You're a fan of that. I like it. I don't think Terror Train's that great, but I think it's fun. But I do enjoy a train. Yes. <laughs> a sushi, do you like a sushi train? A what? A sushi train. What's a sushi train? It's where you go and you sit down and the sushi comes. Is that a sex thing? <laughs> yeah, it's like a... Did you ever give a girl a sushi train? <laughs> yes, I have. Okay, next question. What were the rest of your answers? <laughs> Horror Express. What else? Horror Express is better than Terror Train. I mean, yeah. Terror Train's a slasher movie. Horror Express is not a slasher movie. But I enjoy... Uh, 
I enjoy trains. Although I did watch on the Criterion channel, I watched Murder on the Orient Express. I was just going to ask, how do you feel about that? I watched the 1974 version. I didn't think it was very good. Uh, has honestly. there been a good one? Because I haven't heard good things about any of them. They may, I wanted to see that new one with, that Kenneth Branagh made with Michelle Pfeiffer, who also sang the song over the end credits, and it looked bizarre. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, despite the cast, I just didn't think it. Everybody was just kind of too big, you know? Great, anyway. A great twist in that one, though. I got the Christie knew what she was doing. Yeah. Also, I knew the story, so I wasn't surprised. Yeah, and if you know what's going to happen, then it's like, is it that cool? Yeah. Uh, So, what other locations? The Fog, Antonio Bay. It's on my list. It's iconic lighthouse. I mentioned before, love a seaside town. I know that's probably a (laughs) bingo card number two slot. But fuck you. I love a seaside town, especially when it's covered in fog. And what I have to say about that is, I mean, thinking about this question is like um, the I think these are films where they're really it. What sets these films apart, per Merle's question, is that the the films are made by their location. Right. So the fog like it's not just and I was thinking, well, what's different about the fog versus other seaside towns is you see almost all of this town. You get mm-hmm. all these different stories from in the town, and you see the lighthouse, you see the the what the mayor, whatever that thing is, all that. <laughs> you, the, you see the babysit. There's like there's just this sense of a real place, and the fog. Yes. The fog does that so well, and is really supported by that lighthouse and Adrian Barbeau to give it an anchor point of a of a yes. of a place. Yes, I agree. Uh, also on my list, Session 9. That was the first one on my list. Well, excuse me. I guess we have that in common, don't we? (laughs) That's the thing. I love Session 9. If any of you people haven't seen Session 9, boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's not, uh, it's not like, I don't know where it's, it must be available somewhere. Yeah, I don't even know if I have it, honestly. I have the DVD. That's a butthole uh, clincher. It is a big butthole clincher. But I think even after the fact, that's one where I sat a, I stay I sat in bed and I just stared down the hallway out past our room the whole yeah. night after that movie cuz like watching it I was like, "Oh, I've heard how terrifying it was watching." It. I was like, "This is scary." But then afterwards, mm-hmm. I just kept hearing that voice in my head and I was like, mm-hmm. "I I I made the wrong choice (laughs) yeah yeah um and the fun house Mm, the toby hooper one toby hooper i love them being in that fun house yeah the titular fun (laughs) as they say it's my favorite carnival ride is the titular fun house (laughs) you ever give a girl a titular titular fun fun house house. Yes, I have. So what is a Tokyo convertible, titular funhouse, <laughs> a sushi train? <laughs> There's so many of them. Uh, and then I thought, here's here's the answer where I say no. Uh, <laughs> what? You just reject the question? <laughs> well, a movie that has a singular location, but my God, is uh, ATM. Oh, Have you ever seen ATM? No, I, I didn't see that because that was like it, that was like phone booth, but a step too far, right? Yeah, it's ATM kiosk basically, and I just <laughs> I had to watch it because 
you know, someone says to you, oh, there's a movie where there's three people trapped in an ATM kiosk. Yeah. It's, I just feel like I have to see it because that's such a dumb idea (laughs) that I just have to see how it plays out, you know? Did did you ever see that, um, is it Devil where they're all stuck in the elevator? I did see that. And then it turns out that, um... Uh, Rhea Perlman's friend from from Mindy Project, her gal pal is like the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is weird. Yeah, uh, ATM's terrible. Anyway, huh? So there you go. Wow. What other movies do you enjoy based on the location? You know, well, uh, and this overlapped with some of the ones that we talked about in our listener question roundup bonanza lottery um, Yolanda Vega experience special Marshall. Uh, because I think we, we had a somewhat similar question about isolated locations, but really any time that the location is just what makes the film, like the descent, how can you not, how can those caves not right. be what makes the film? I mean, in addition to the right. women in it, in addition to the monsters, but that movie wouldn't exist without those caves. Um, uh, uh another one, the Wicker Man, like mm. love a coastal town, love a folk horror, but the summer isle that weird weird ass place both of them i mean (laughs) between ellen burston's day spa and wacky uh wacky neo-pagan let's have sex and jump over bonfire island um what weird weird locations that i i just can't help but feel like they're they really are what brings that movie to life is the bizarre specificity of those locations Uh, along with a more recent film midsummer man Fucking Harga. Yeah. Harga is a, an amazing, amazing, amazing place. And going off of Merle's secondary question about um, what can be more frightening, like the the familiar or the foreign, like you get both, you get both um, the bizarre sort of foreignness of Harga, but also the familiarity of daytime in that film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love Harga. I think that's a fantastic location. Um, Dawn of the Dead. I mean, this is such an obvious answer, but the mall. Mm, Putting a fucking zombie yeah. movie in a mall? Like, <laughs> that's what drew me to it when I first saw it when I was in seventh grade. You know, there's a metaphor in there about consumerism. Oh, go to hell. <laughs> I fucking love it, obviously, but I just love how many people are always like, oh my god, but Dawn of the Dead makes such a statement. It's like, okay. It's about consumerism. The monsters are us. (laughs) (laughs) People are mindlessly shuffling around a shopping mall. Gotta see this movie. It'll blow your mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, exactly. It's so, it's just so ham-fisted and obvious, but also so uh, well done at the same time. Oh, yeah. And exciting. I love and that movie. One of the first. I've of been time. there. You've been to that mall. I've been, I've been to that mall. I went. To Where is that? Pittsburgh. Mini Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's a, it's the Monroeville Mall. Monroeville Mall. Like that's what. Right, right by um, Pittsburgh. Was and it still little... open? Back yeah. then. Back then. Well, when you yeah. went. Because malls like. How old do you think I am? I don't, yeah, I don't mean open. like. Okay, first off, you have said many times on the show that you're eighty. <laughs> Second off. Um, <laughs> 
I did not. I am not implying back then. I'm implying back then when when we could still go outside. Because <laughs> you know, malls if they weren't already dead are never coming back. After In this. the before times, yeah, it was still. I think it's still open even. Um, and they had little like placards and you know pictures on the walls oh. and stuff like that. And they're like, so, here's yeah. where Tom Savini <laughs> machete <Yeah>. that zombie. <laughs> Remember that pie fight? I that love was... that. Yeah. So. Um, and then one more that I did, um, well, actually two more, because obviously record. I love that uh, that apartment building and those those endless stairs. Um, but uh, uh, Candyman was a, another uh, kind mm. of one that I I had a I realized as an afterthought. But then I was like, no man, that you would not. Candyman is not possible without Cabrini Green. And what makes right. that movie so effective is that statement on race and class and gentrification. And um, it, it's all built into that text, which is funny because none of that is in the, the forbidden, the original Clive Barker story. Um, mm. So excellent choices. Uh, smart filmmakers who adapt things and do them completely differently right? than what you would expect from the source material. Sometimes it sometimes works Sometimes it happens. Yeah, sometimes it actually works. Most of the time it really doesn't, but sometimes it works. And Candyman, great job. Really, uh, really brings to life the urban terror uh, folk urban folk horror of of Cabrini Green in that part of Chicago, or is that Chicago? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that's my list. That's a good list. Does a familiar or foreign environment help to create more fear? I think it's when the familiar becomes the foreign. Yeah, is perhaps the most when your familiar surroundings be- move into the realm of the uncanny. Hmm. A place you've been a million times suddenly doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Or something that looks benign one minute is not. I thought of Lake Mungo. <gasps> I don't want to think of Lake Mungo because it scares me. I love Lake Mungo. My goodness, I love that movie. Yeah, that's a gem. We need to do that one at some point. Yeah, I just want more people to watch Lake Mungo. Yeah, it is so good, everyone. Yeah. But when, you know, the backyard or Lake Mungo itself or just being out in a, the, you know, a park you've been to a million times becomes terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, something like House of the Devil. Yeah. It's just a house, but she's walking around and it's so scary. And it shouldn't be. It should be the familiarity of like, oh, this is another babysitting gig. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. weird. Yeah. So... That's I I I mean I think both the familiar and the foreign can be because you don't when you are in a totally new environment. It's like when we were talking about uh, don't look now, you know, and like the issue with characters are speaking Italian and there's no subtitles. That feeling of being helplessly trapped in a foreign location is terrifying. Yeah, but coming home. And your CD player turns on. Oh, my God. <laughs> and your computer turns on for no reason. And you think that perhaps a doll has hacked into the mainframe. <laughs> <laughs> she's got those internet fingers on her little stumpy fingers. <laughs> yeah, she's nude, first of all. <laughs> Dress is off. Internet fingers on. In her Halloween town boudoir. Yeah, her Halloween town Spencer's Gifts boudoir. (laughs) Sends a chill down my spine just thinking about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's like uh, if you did have a wall person, you know what I mean? Oh. If you come, you come home. I came one of my very first apartment. I came home from a long day at school and work and theater rehearsals and all that. I got home at like one in the morning and there was a light turned on that I had not turned on. Oh. And that sort of thing is completely terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. When, but it was my apartment. I mean, how much more familiar can you? Yeah. Get? When things are not as they should be, right? When you have a routine, when you have an established way that this is how things go, and then <laughs> it counters that, which then counters your entire conception of what the world is and how it functions mm-hmm. and how it should be. That's upsetting. That's vastly upsetting. Yeah. Um, I agree with you completely. Uh, I have nothing to add. <laughs> All right. Except to say, I did leave two off my list that I forgot about that I also want to throw. Oh out there. yeah. Um, one obviously Suspiria, both of them. Mm. Uh, because that that fucking dance school man. Um, also Silent Hill. Uh, who knows how effective that Ooh. movie is? But the location of Silent Hill itself, that shit's iconic and terrifying. I am such a Silent Hill stan. Oh, that siren just, oh, that siren just, oh, just cl- I'm clinching now. It's just so upsetting. Yeah. I had, I had a YouTube video on. It was an air raid siren for 10 hours. I didn't listen to it for 10 hours, obviously, but I was like, what does this sound like? And I turned it on and I was like, this is some Silent Hill shit. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, thank you. So no, upsetting. Thank you. Love Silent Hill. Love Silent Hill. And that's like, you know, could should just be a cute, quaint little small town. Look at their nice little old downtowny downtown. You saw you saw the school that Silent Hill school was based on when we went out to Astoria. Like yeah. it should be like that. It's just a cute little but something is wrong. Something is Why really is wrong. it raining ash? Right. Why is there this ash fog everywhere? Like, it's... What's with those skinless dog monsters chasing <laughs> me everywhere? And why do pterodactyls keep attacking me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've actually had a big uh, hunkering, hankering to watch that movie again lately. So maybe this is what will push me over the edge. I got that Blu-ray when it came out, the new show, uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray, and I have been desperately wanting to watch it, so I might have to, too. I love Silent Hill. I love... I love Silent Hill. I love... I love Silent Hill. I'm too scared to play the games. I'm actually a big fan of the movie. And man, Alice Krieg and Rada Mitchell. And, um, wait. Oh my god, no. Who's my favorite? The cop. Yeah, uh, Lori, uh, Lori, uh. Lori, fuck. Lori, Lori, Lori. I love her. Um... She was the only good thing about Walking Dead until they didn't know how to write her character. And then they just killed her because they were fucking pieces of shit, even though she's the only survivor in the comic. Until a certain Lori, Lori, Lori Piewacket, Lori, um, <laughs> Lori uh, Candyman, Lori Candyman, uh, Lori, fuck, she's so Lori, cool, Lori, 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 Lori um, not Lori Petty, that's Tank Girl, no. um, Lori, <laughs> Lori, lo, lo, um, Lori, 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 um, Lori, Peter Lori, <laughs> um, Lori, Lori, um, Lori Holden, Lori Holden, Lori Holden, there you Lori go. Holden. I bet, though. <laughs> Do we have any listeners left? <laughs> I could cut out the ten minutes of Lori. I Lori. don't know. I think Lori? I think anybody's desperate for content right now. 
I just worry that I'm gonna put on. I'm gonna watch Silent Hill and be like, boy, this is computer. Oh yeah, but maybe that Blu-ray will make it nice and crisp. I think Blu-ray doesn't help. It just makes matters. it more obvious. It makes it more obvious. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the weird. I French just have vibe the old DVD. Help. Let's just watch it. Let's just watch it. I have the old DVD, so oh. I haven't up up. I I am did not upgrade. Yeah. Well, and if you're not like, if you weren't a big fan, it's like why why? Well, I was a big fan. You didn't see me when that came out in the theater. Oh yeah, were you nuts? I was nuts. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> I ripped off all my clothes. <laughs> oh, just like when Pyramid Head rips just off that like, woman's yeah. skin. When he rips off her skin. When he did that in the movie, I ripped off all my clothes in an attempt <laughs> to emulate it. <laughs> That's when the usher with those weird lightsaber sticks walked up to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. And they said, please sit down, man. And I did. You may remain I... nude, but sit down. <laughs> I sat on a Reese's PC. <laughs> Which is the singular. Yeah. Not comfortable. Anyway. <laughs> Goodbye. Wow. For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh- Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh my my god! God. Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.